If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy your love. If I had a million dollars, we wouldn't have to walk to the store. If I had a million dollars, we'd take a limousine cause it costs more. If I had a million dollars, we wouldn't have to eat craft dinner, but we would eat craft dinner. We'd just eat more and buy lots of expensive ketchups. Ooh, Dijon ketchup. We're back. I'm so happy you're here. You made it back to a Stars Born podcast, episode 7. I'm your host, Chris Arneson. Thank you so much for being a starfish, one of my many starfishes. I, I love you. Thank you for listening. This is a Nicolas Cage episode, so I'm super excited to get into this one. This is a jam-packed episode, so it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm super pumped, but before we get any further into it, I'm going to do some plugs. So I'm an author from Pullman, Washington. My first book is called Sponge Cake, a mostly made-up story about a completely insane town. My second is called What's in the Fridge. And you can get them both on Amazon and Kindle, and they're also available on Barnes & Noble. Sponge Cake's a fictional book, and it's centered around a middle school bake sale. It's kind of an adventure novel. And it's super fun, super fun to write, and I think you'd really dig it. If you're if you're here, you'd really like it. And What's in the Fridge, it's kind of a motivational, spiritual, inspirational kind of book. And there's also some cool pop culture uh, short stories in there too, so check that out. Yeah, and my blog is thegoat1.blogspot.com. My website is christtheauthor.com. Follow me on Twitter at ChrisTheAuthor8, and follow me on Instagram at ChrisArneson8. And oh my goodness, I'm super excited to get into this episode of Nicolas Cage. But before we get any further into it, I would just want to make an announcement. If you listened to the previous episodes, which if you didn't, I would definitely recommend, just go ahead and like pause it right here, because I'm not going anywhere. And you can go ahead and listen to the first six episodes of A Star is Born it's on the same feed that you found this one. And then come on right on back and I'll be right here. I won't go anywhere. But anyway, I have found that it has been fun to read some of my old columns from the Sports Quotient, which is a website that I wrote for. And um, some breaking news just came in today about the sports quotient. I got an email from Robert Hess, one of the managers over there at Sports Quotient, and he said the website is going to be coming to an end, and it's going to be closing, and you won't be able to access it anymore in the very near future. So kind of some sad news out there for for those Sports Quotient fans, but that means you should go check out my work while you still can. And today I'm going to give you a little sample of piece of work that's actually related to Nicolas Cage. So here we go. 25 is the amount in millions that Nicolas Cage's waterfront home in New York, 
Newport Beach, California was worth before he lost it when he blew almost all his money. And just to give you some context, this is a article I wrote on my 25th birthday and I themed it around the number 25. So everything, everything I wrote about has to do with the number 25 here. So <clears throat> when he blew almost all his money, presumably on Persian jewels, glass bottles of Coca-Cola, and knockoff fast food restaurant investments like Jill in the Bag, McDonald's, Burger Prince, Taco Del Castillo, and Lisa's, who's Wendy's cousin. He also owned a countryside home in Newport, Rhode Island, worth $15.7 million. He also is a proud smoker of Newport menthol cigarettes and enjoys visiting and squatting in lighthouses in Newport, Oregon. Cage purchased two castles in Europe for $10 million and $2.3 million. I wonder which one he bought first. He probably bought the $2.3 million one and was like, I need to step up my castle game. This castle is not stately enough for my liking. These halls do not provide adequate space for my court gestures to prance about as I play show tunes on Phil Collins' harmonica, which I purchased for $450,000. Cage also purchased a pet octopus for $150,000, as well as the first Superman comic for the same amount. I would like to see the pros and cons list Nicolas Cage made on a post-it with Illuminati letterhead regarding whether he should buy an octopus or the first Superman comic when he sat down on his teepee, in his teepee with a mug of kombucha in, in his thoughts. Wow, that was a mouthful. All right, I think that's a good place to lead that. And that just gives you a little sample of that article. There's a whole bunch more there. Not all of it's about Nicolas Cage, but if you like Nicolas Cage, a lot of it is about him. So, And if you like Nicolas Cage... I'm sure I'm sure you do like Nicolas Cage is what is what I meant to say. All right. Before we go any further, <laughs> I'm all over the place right now. Let me just tell you what this podcast is about. What's the plot of the podcast? What's the basis of it? The synopsis. So, a star is born. Each episode we have a different star. This week is Nicolas Cage. And I just go through their entire IMDb page and talk about all the films they've been in. So it's going to be super fun because Nicolas Cage has been in 98 films. So that's a good chunk right there. And I'm really excited to get into his films. But before we do that, let's do another regular segment. And it is the Simpsons episode of the week. Each episode, I talk about a Simpsons episode that is related to the show in some way. Oh, and I should mention that this week's state is Nevada, obviously, because Nicolas Cage is he's connected to Las Vegas. He kind of is just like a walking embodiment of Las Vegas. I mean, that's what I think, at least. <laughs> he's he's a, everything that town has to offer, all the good and the bad. So this week's The Simpsons episode is Viva Ned Flanders. It's season 10, episode 10, January 10th, 1999. And in this episode, uh, Ned Flanders, who is revealed to be 60 years old. Did you did you know that Ned Flanders is 60? What? He looks great. Feels that he has not lived his life to the fullest. He asks for help from his neighbor, Homer Simpson, who takes... <laughs> what if you didn't know? 
If you didn't know that Homer Simpson is Ned Flanders' neighbor, then you gotta you gotta start watching The Simpsons. Start from the beginning, episode one. He asks for help from his neighbor Homer Simpson, who takes Ned to Las Vegas to show him the right way to live. However, while they're while they are there, the two become intoxicated and accidentally marry two cocktail waitresses. Ah, oh, yes, this was a hilarious episode of The Simpsons. Right in. Right at the kind of the tail end of the golden era, if you will, the end of kind of middle of season 10. All right. So, yeah, I love The Simpsons. If you don't watch the show, definitely check it out because it shaped who I am, not only as a person, but my shape, my uh, my shape, shape of humor, the Oscar winning movie Shape of Humor. All right. Before I go any further, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to Washington State Magazine, because in the spring 2019 episode, or not episode, uh, edition of their magazine, um, they actually, they wrote about, here we go, uh, I'm not even going to try to pull it up, forget it, they actually gave me a shout out, I was in the spring, spring edition, spring 2019, Washington State Magazine, briefly noted section, Check it out. They talked about both my books, Sponge Cake and What's in the Fridge. And that's pretty awesome. I I really appreciate it. So thank you, Washington State Magazine. And also, if you're in the Pullman area, go ahead and head on over to the WSU Bookie, which is in the Student Union Building, the Cub. Um, And you can purchase Sponge Cake there in the local interest section. So go check that out if you're in town. I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, like I talked about previous episodes, I did a book signing there in the WC Bookie. So that was I have good memories there in that in that bookstore. Very cool. Um, before I go any further, let's give a little shout out to a little podcast called Till Death Do Us Blart and. This is a podcast that only releases one episode per year. Can you imagine? What if that was the only sub- podcast you subscribe to is the one that comes out once a year? I don't know if you claim to be a avid podcast listener if that's the case. And this podcast is centered around the movie Paul Blart Mall Cap 2. Um, I don't know the full title. If I was on Douglas movies, I would lose right now because I don't have the full title of the movie. But this movie is centered in Las Vegas. So that's the connection right there to Nicolas Cage in the Nevada episode of A Star is Born. Um, another shout out I want to give is... But yeah, also, um, I just want to say Till Death Do Us Blart is... Very funny podcast. Um, I can't think of all the hosts' names. There's like six hosts or something. I can't think of all their names right now, but they're pretty funny podcaster dudes. Um, so I want to give a little little shout to KUGR Radio. I actually appeared on their show. You can find it in the uh, wherever you find podcasts, um, in iTunes or wherever. Um, it's March 29th. 2017, I was interviewed by KUGR Radio, and that was about the Gonzaga Bulldogs, because that was right before they lost to North Carolina in the championship game. They lost 71-65, if you remember. 
So that was pretty disappointing. My sister went to Gonzaga, so my family's pretty big fans of... Well, we were always fans, actually, because um, my dad would take me to the Battle in Seattle's, which is when Gonzaga played a home game, a de facto home game at Key Arena in Seattle, where the Sonics played. Before the NBA stole the Sonics. And speaking of the NBA... I want I want to bring something up, something that really inspired me and oh, shaped me. <laughs> Another thing that inspired me, the NBA's 100 Greatest Plays. This is a DVD that was released in 2003, and it is just so awesome. There's like 10 different categories, so there's like dunks and passes and buzzer beaters and clutch shots and all that kind of stuff, steals, uh, blocks. And it is amazing. There's, I think there's a montage that they play to some 80s music. And it's, that kind of inspired me to get really into basketball. And also, it was just a cool film. Like, it made me interested in, in making movies and documentaries and that kind of stuff. So, And I also just looked it up on Amazon. And you can buy it on Amazon. So check it out. NBA's 100 Greatest Plays. And that was in that Begsy question, because um, I got it as a present. What are my favorite presents of all time that I've gotten? Here's a few of them. So NBA's 100 Greatest Place was one of them. I think that was a Christmas present. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I talked about it in a previous episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that was a Christmas present from my Uncle Steve, an author who I also... If you haven't listened to the previous episodes of A Star is Born, you got to get on that. Because I talked about Uncle Steve, too. So I won't, I won't talk, go far, um, excuse me, go too far into that. But another one of my favorite presents of all time is this pair of Sonic's socks. It has a picture of a zombie, zombified Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. So that's super cool. And... That brings me to a topic. Oh, also Seahawks jersey. That's fun. Um, one Christmas, um, my mom got everyone in my family a Seahawks jersey in my immediate family. So we all wore Seahawks jerseys that year on, on Sundays. So as a family, we would go out to dinner all wearing a Seahawks jersey, go to pizza. And another Christmas present that I just really love that I just got this year is a framed picture of myself. <laughs> Very egotistical. I love this present so much. It's this picture of myself. Um, and I'm doing a, the starfish pose. You guessed it. I'm doing the starfish pose. The one that you should be doing every single day. And I'm in a lake. It's in the Cascade Mountains somewhere. So I can't remember exactly which lake it was. Because there's a bunch of little lakes up there. But I'm just standing in it. It's probably... F- ice cold super freezing i'm doing a big old starfish pose so and it's taken my dad took it from about 20 feet behind me so it's a really cool picture and very beautiful view of the mountains and the blue sky with clouds wow amazing i like it though and another really great presence is something for my older brother nick uh it was a pair of wireless headphones, and he gave it to me, and he said, this is 
So you can listen to uh, podcasts and music while you're playing basketball, while you're shooting hoops. And I just really appreciate that because I like it when there's like an explanation behind gifts. There's like a, they're very thought, it seems more thoughtful. It seems like he planned it more, thought about it. So I, I really like that. So that stuck out in my memory. Got that a few years ago. And here we go. This is what I wanted to talk about. When I said the Sonic Socks, it brings me to the conversation, a very important conversation, about how much I really love socks. All sorts of cool design socks. I mean, you know, like the funny ones with with the wacky designs. So right now I'm wearing a pair of Jack Skellington Nightmare Before Christmas socks. I have a bunch of ones. I'm about to go through them here. So... There's a pair of, it looks like kind of Saved by the Bell. There's like a cassette tape and a shoe and a pair of sunglasses on it. They're gray. So that's a good one. I can't, I think I bought those myself. Uh, I got a pair of Cougar socks. Oh, shout out to, um, what's the name of this company? It's, it starts with an S. They also made the Sonic socks. And it's like a very popular sock company that I think they're working with LeBron James and the NBA and man, and they're from, I think they're from Washington, University of Washington. So look that up if you're interested. It'll be, take a quick Google. Um, I have a pair of socks that my mom bought for me when she was in New York City with her friend Pam. Shout out Pam, Pam, Panned, <laughs> Step Brothers, Panned. Yeah, so it's just a pair of socks with the New York City skyline on them. And I really like these socks. It's, they're black, and in blue text it says New York. I got a pair of Space Jam socks, pretty tight. And, okay, those are the four dirty ones, so I can put those aside. As for the clean ones, I got a pair of mustache socks, which is significant because Wazoo's quarterback is... Or was Gardner Minshew, and he was known for his mustache. So that was a big thing in this past Wazoo football season. When we were good and almost made it to the playoff playoffs. So I got a pair of nice hiking socks. They're like kind of thermal. They're gray, and on the base of the foot, one of them is green, the other's navy blue. I got a pair of Guinness socks. You know the. Guinness logo. I don't even really know exactly what this is a logo is, but they're black and then green, blue, and red and yellow. Got a pair of socks with frogs on them, navy blue with frogs on them. Got a pair of socks, uh, bright blue with uh, sharks on them. Here's one that's. I like these. I just got these this Christmas, actually, as a gift. I think for my parents or mom. Um, it's a... Uh, where are they? How to describe these? They're skeletons of fish. And they're black with... The top of them is lime green. So that's pretty cool. I like them. Here's a blue pair. And it has a picture of a, a cassette that says Party Playlist. I never even noticed that that says Party Playlist until just now. Here's a bright green pair that says Lazy Holidays. And it's a picture of 
There's a bunch of candy canes and snowflakes on it. And then a picture of a sloth with a Santa hat. I like those. I like the holiday-themed ones. Here's a pair of navy blue Seahawks socks. Just pretty basic Seahawks. Here's a pair of bright green, neon green socks. And they have a taper. You know the... I don't know if these are at the zoo, but... The, the animal, the taper. I don't, I don't know if everyone even knows what that is, but T-A-P-I-R. And I got these from Archie McPhee, which is this wacky store with a bunch of cool knickknacks and somewhere in Seattle. And this is a cool pair of, like, I think they're Argyle. They're kind of like dress socks. And there's a picture of, oh, what kind of dog is this? Maybe a bulldog or a cocker spaniel and here's a pair of socks these are very cool these have graffiti all over them so it's just a basic pair of socks with graffiti on them um here's one that's blue and has how to describe this it looks like kind of checkerboard red and dark blue checkerboard all over it and the sonic socks i told you about earlier very cool with Kemp and Peyton, the glove, and Rain Man. Here's a basic pair of striped socks, and then one that says, a, with a, here's one, um, <laughs> it's blue, and there's pictures of snowmen on it, and one of them says naughty at the top, and the other says nice at the top. Here's a long pair of Adidas socks. Here's a story behind that. I, I got those when... They're actually my friend Brett's. I got those when I stayed at at his place when he went to Western up there in Bellingham. A shout out to Western Washington University. Comes up every episode of A Star is Born pretty much. And the last pair is a good old red pair of socks with hearts on them. Just classic red with hearts on them. I like. I've had those for years. And that is all the socks I have. I can't remember if I threw any away when I Marie Kondoed, when I Marie Kondoed my life. But if you can't tell, socks are one of my favorite things to collect. Oh, and I said to myself, I'm going to go ahead and rank. Somehow, I'm going to go ahead and rank my three favorite pairs of socks here. So I think I'm going to have to go with the taper ones because I just bought those. I bought those when I was mowing lawns. We just we stopped at Archie McPhee one day when we were done mowing lawns, and I bought some socks. So the taper ones, the graffiti ones are making it in there. They're really cool. And then the mustache ones, just because Gardner Minshew's season just happened. So there we go. The taper, graffiti, and mustache. Top three. Boom, boom, boom. And here we go. Something else I'm going to do. Before we even hop into Nicolas Cage's IMDb page, let's discuss some of my favorite knickknacks. Uh, they have them sitting right here. There's the skipping rock that I talked about yesterday. The one with the picture of the cat paw print on it. Or not picture. Um, you know, like dried dried cement into it. Like a, Here's a little cool metallic owl. And it looks like it's like a pencil sharpener or something on the bottom. But I'm sure you can't really sharpen a pencil in it. A 
nice little frog. I like that. Here's a turtle. I think my mom got this for me. I think my parents got it for me when when they were in Hawaii. I think they got one for me and my brother and sister. Just the same thing, maybe. Maybe they got like a seahorse and a seahorse and a piece of plankton or something. Here's this excuse me. Cool little dude. I don't know how else to describe him. He's like an Uncle Sam type character. And he has a little platform that he stands on. And the cool the thing I like about him is there's you know Kush balls. Remember Kush balls from back in the day? It's a like weird I don't know how to even describe it. Kind of meshy, kind of soft and po pokey material. But it doesn't hurt when it hits you. It's not like a porcupine. But it's kind of like a porcupine if it was meshy. But, yeah, he has a cush ball just right in the middle of him. So he's been cush balled. It's like he, it's like he got, <laughs> I just saw this clip on ridiculous ridiculousness when I was at the gym the other day riding the exercise bike. And <laughs> it was of this giant dude who got, what is it, like a hay baler machine? And he got put in one of those giant pieces of hay. And then he just walked around with a giant block of hay around him. And I, th I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty impressive. Because I was like, <laughs> thinking to myself, if that happened to me, I would be out for the count for sure. Um, right now I'm, I'm kind of squishing together this cool little wine. What is this? A wine cork? One of those wine cork thingies. And it's from, it's maroon, and it's from the company called Rabbit. So if you're into the wine corks, check out Rabbit. Uh, here's a cool little metallic thing. I think I got this from my grandma, because my, when my grandpa came and visited us in September, he brought a ton of my, ton of my grandma's old stuff. And she has like a bunch of jewelry and just weird little metallic things and, Things that don't have any uses. They're called knickknacks. And that's what I'm talking about right now. And there's a little picture of a cactus on the side of this. It's like a wheelbarrow. That's how I would describe it. It's a little metallic wheelbarrow with a picture of a cactus on the side of it. And I thought that was I thought that was nice. And I have a triple skull, three skulls stacked on top of each other. And I think this is a fish tank toy. So I think that this actually used to live in our goldfish's tank back when we had a goldfish. Its name was our first goldfish was Eric. I think I think our other one was Goldie, which is not very creative. Got a cat named Kitty and a goldfish named Goldie. <laughs> okay, um, I think that's all. The oh, here's another knickknack. It's a tiny little flashlight. That just reminds me of camping. Just all the times I went camping with friends and family and my dad. And I like just having the lantern. Like the lantern in the middle of the tent is like... I don't know what it is about it, but it's just kind of cool. It's better than a normal light for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. And we have this cool little... I gotta stop saying cool. Come on, Chris. Podcast coach is coming out. It's like a bead, a mouse made of beads. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's mostly gray. 
and it's outlined in black and it's just a mouse made of beads and I think I must have had that since like first grade or something I don't know how I still have it and there's a nice coaster it's a flower coaster blue flower with a yellow center and then like a pink stem or something going up so I like coasters too that's another fun thing I like all right before we go any further into this craziness this crazy randomness I'm gonna go ahead and actually start the show and I am I've pulled up Nicolas Cage's IMDb page so we're right where we need to be here I'm in the right place 1981 his first credit here we go TV movie, another TV movie. We've that's been a recurring theme in the Stars Born podcast. Best of Times, he plays Nicholas, and he's credited as Nicholas Coppola. Cause oh, I always forget he's part of the famous what like Francis Ford Coppola that acting family or whatever. He used to go by Nicholas Coppola, huh? Nineteen eighty-two, a movie that I've never seen but I've heard was really cool, really good. He said, cool again. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He plays Brad's Bud. I'd like to see that movie. Um, 1983, Valley Girl. He plays Randy. Like Valley Girl sounds a lot like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. 1983, Rumblefish. He plays Smokey. Before we go any further, I'm going to shout out my... Um, ball cap stretchy meshy baseball cap obviously wearing it it's the starry mountain mountain starry night stretchy meshy ball cap so that's my podcast hat so i wear it every podcast and then i give a shout out to oisel which i found out last podcast i think that was last one last night last episode that that's actually a woman's running apparel company so that's kind of cool and we got what do we what else we got here we got a couple speaking of knickknacks we got a few packs of cards here and that reminds me of the midwest baseball trip which i talked about in previous episodes obviously from 2007 i went with my cousin and grandma across the midwest we went to minnesota milwaukee chicago both chicago stadiums St. Louis and Kansas City. And what that has to do with cards? What's that have to do with cards? Well, I'll tell you. We played spades in the bus almost a whole trip. And I remember this old dude. I think he had a grandson there as well. His name is Clark. He had glasses and wore a baseball cap. And I believe he had mustache too. And Clark played cards with us too. <laughs> but he was he was nice. He was a super nice guy. But... So yeah, that's what I remember. I just remember sitting on the bus and looking out the window and playing spades for hours on hours. I don't even remember how to play spades now because probably haven't played it since that since that trip. I just remember it being super fun though. Um, I think Hearts is another is Hearts another popular card game. <laughs> Excuse me. So the first pack of cards I'm holding here. It's a Seattle Mariners pack, and it says bridge size. So I don't know what bridge size means. The second one is Gemaco, G-E-M-A-C-O. There's 
a little dash over the A. I don't know what that dash is. Is that, it might be an accent sign. That's what it looks like. Uh, Gemico Poker. Okay. Plastic coated. And then the other one, the last one, is another thing that it reminds me of my grandma Sharon. Because I think these were actually her cards. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this has to do with the uh, episode because it's the old Las Vegas, Nevada connection. There's a um, just a picture of Vegas and it's really cool. It says, welcome to fabulous Las Vegas. And it looks like every single hotel is all jammed into one picture here. High quality playing cards. Okay, so that's those three playing cards. I got my pokey stress ball over here. I'm squeezing it to relieve stress. Okay, that feels really good. Oh, here's something. Here's something I want to talk about before we got too far into Nicolas Cage's thing. So, <clears throat> excuse me. As you'll remember, last episode, I gave a little talk about the recipes... It's, it's the uh, recipe book from my elementary school, remember? From Maywood. Uh, so my mom had an, ep- an uh, episode, a recipe in there. It was the pea, summer peas recipe. I'm going to go ahead and read another one of her recipes. It's called Easy Taco Casserole or Taco Bake. So here we go. One to one and a half pounds of ground beef, one cup salsa, half cup of mayonnaise or salad dressing, two teaspoons of chili powder, two cups of crushed tortilla chips, one cup of shredded Kobe cheese, one cup of shredded Monterey Jack cheese, or you can do all cheddar, one medium tomato chopped, and two cups of shredded lettuce. And then here we go. In a saucepan, brown brown ground beef. Say that three times fast. Brown ground beef and drain. Add salsa, salsa, mayonnaise, and chili powder. Mix well. In an ungreased two-quart baking dish, layer half of the meat mixture, chips, and cheeses. Repeat layers. Bake uncovered at 350 degrees for 20 to 25 minutes or until heated through. Just before serving, top with tomato and lettuce. Yield six servings. And then she wrote a little note that says, I don't always layer. So there we go. If you're into cooking... That's oh, and I I can say from firsthand experience that's one of my mom's best dishes that she makes. And my mom's a really good cook, so she brings the heat. So and so that's saying a lot is what is what I'm saying is if it's the best, it's one of her best dishes. Another good one is she has like giant slices of bread that she cuts open, and then she puts like beans and ground beef and meat in there. And cheese, and it like sticks all together with cheese. So that's another one of my favorites. I don't know what the name of that would be. And here's a, another little thing I'm looking at, or I'm holding. It's a carpet runner. You know what carpet runners are? We're all going to learn together. It's those things that you put on stairs. It's like a little a little piece of carpet. It, it's the perfect width and length for a stair. And I got one. It's red and it has a cool little like paisley design on it. And I just like I like carpets. I don't know what it is about. But speaking of carpets, that reminds me 
of elementary school because we had a carpet gymnasium. And that's really weird to think about. Like, why can't we just have hardwood? I do not know. Maybe it's because kids were hand hand on the hardwood or something. But any hoosles. We had a carpet gym at Maywood, and I specifically remember listening to I Love Rock and Roll and just running a bunch of laps. And I also think there is this, for some reason, I have a memory of this game with a big red tarp that, like, I don't know if this is correct, but we may have had one of one of the kids put, sit in the middle of the tarp, and then we throw them in the air. Like, everyone holds a piece of the tarp on the side and then and then flips it up and then the kid flies in the air i think that was a thing and i'm just thinking about that right now it seems super sketchy super dangerous so i don't know if my memory is playing tricks on me or something but that's what i remembered from that um i'd like to do the regular segment calypso update right now since last night, I have not had the chance to read any Calypso, so I'm still on page 212. But almost done with the book, though, because I think there's only 258 pages in it, so not that much farther to go, really. Um, something I wanted to mention was I talked about I talked a lot about my trip to moving to Southern California in September of 2015 and doing the internship with Jash. And I mentioned Daniel Kellison, and I just wanted to say that when I had my conversation with him, it was definitely not, how should I say, warranted. Like, it wasn't planned. Like, I think I just walked right by his assistant and just didn't say a word to her and just walked right into his office. Because his office was basically right next to the room where they filmed Getting Dug with, Getting Dug with High. And yeah, so that's basically one big office that they actually they share with uh, Russell Simmons's uh, Def Jam, and it was a really cool office, like all like wood paneling and it's like beanbag chairs, and people had their dogs in there and stuff, and everyone was just hanging out. But oh, that was so cool. But um, yeah, I just wanted to say that I can't. Looking back, I'm pretty impressed by. Like my boldness and confidence, and just kind of just like stomping right into his office and kind of just like telling him what was going on with me. Because I think that, yes, that was right after I had gotten kicked out of my apartment, like I talked about. So I was, I was like at a loss for what to do and I was just panicking. So I, I guess I had some blind confidence or something, but. Sometimes you just got to do stuff and not think about it too much and, and then live live with the consequences of whatever happens. Um, something I wanted to mention. Oh, here we go. So we got a couple Beanie Babies here. Chris, why are you talking about Beanie Babies? Well, my grandma Betty, who is my grandma Sharon's, um, excuse me, her mother. Yeah, my grandma Betty used to have a million Beanie Babies. Like, in her little... She had an apartment in Great Falls, Montana. And she had so many Beanie Babies. And I'll tell you more about that right after I take a little break. Back! How was your break? Did you get a lot of work done? Maybe pull some weeds, mow the lawn, clean the driveway? 
shovel some snow. I had a good break. Clean my bladder out. But like I was talking about, good old Grandma Betty. So I really, the only thing I remember about her was all her Beanie Babies. She had just like treasure chests full of Beanie Babies in her apartment, basically. And I wonder how much those must have been worth. Probably maybe millions? Was she sitting on millions of dollars worth of Beanie Babies? I do not know. Any hoozles. I'm holding a black hat Beanie Baby. It kind of reminds me of Kitty, except... Its paws are white and its ears are white, and she's just all black. The name of this cat is Zip. Birth date, uh, March 28th, 1994. Keep Zip by your side all day through... Oh, keep Zip by your side all day. Through Zip is good luck. You'll see it's true. When you have something you need to do, Zip will always believe in you. Wow. And that's uh, T.Y., I can't, uh, what's T.Y. stand for? Does it stand for something or is it just tie? The Beanie Babies collection. Some legendary stuff. And then here is a, it's a turtle, but there's no tag on it. So I can't read about what his name is. So we'll just call him Todd, Todd the Turtle. And I got my bright green Kent, uh, Kent Parks and Rec ball over here. The bouncy ball. Oh, here's something fun. It's a it's a number, like a running number, and it's from the 2011 WIAA State Championships, number 1092. It's a white running number, and well, the numbers in red and the tags in white, and it's presented by. Let's see, Les Schwab and Brooks. So, but that just reminds me of track and field and just how much I love doing that. It was like my favorite sport in high school. And I got to run in the state championships. I did the 400 and the 4x4 relay in the state championships. So that was super cool. In Mount Tahoma, which is down South Puget Sound. It's a very cool experience. Here's the picture, the lake picture I already talked about. Oh, okay, here we go. So last episode, if you didn't listen to it, go ahead and listen to it right now. It's Life's Little Instruction Book. And I was reading a lot of these because I was having fun doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it. Never sell yourself short. Fool someone on April 1st. Never remind someone of an of a kindness or act of generosity you have shown him or her, bestow a favor and then forget it. Help your children set up their own savings and checkings account by 16. Learn to play Amazing Grace on the piano. Put on old clothes before you get out the paintbrushes. That's a good one. Never be also put on old clothes before you mow a bunch of lawns. I wore all my... All my dad's old church from like the 80s, and they got super grassy and stained with green. Because, uh, yeah, like I talked about, I mowed lawns last summer for ah, Seattle Gardening Services. Never be ashamed of your patriotism. Never be ashamed of honest tears. Never be ashamed of laughter that's too loud or singing that's too joyful. 
So there's just a few of those. Um, another thing I wanted to give a little shout to was a book that I really like. Something I got a lot, a lot into, but I kind of laid off it a little bit. It's You Are Here from Thich Nhat Hanh, Discovering the Magic of the Present Moment. Yeah, I just got super into the the whole like being present thing and mindfulness and trying to I mean I still I still am into it but there was a time there where I was just every moment I was like you know when you get too present <laughs> it can happen I think it's I think that's a real thing Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk he's internationally known as an author poet scholar and peace activist who was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize by Martin Luther King Jr. Cool. Thich Nhat Hanh shows us the connection between personal inner peace and peace on earth. And that is a quote from the one and only, the OG, Dalai Lama. And here's another one. Thich Nhat Hanh represents, well not represents, that's what I just said. Thich Nhat Hanh writes with the voice of the Buddha. And that one is from Sogyal Rinpoche, who's the author of the Tibetan book of living and dying. Being <clears throat> here's a little excerpt. Being truly here is very important. Being here for yourself and for the ones you love. Fortunately, being here is not a difficult thing to accomplish. It is enough to breathe and let go of thinking or planning. Just come back to yourself, concentrate on your breath and smile. You are here, body and mind together. You are here, you are completely alive. That is a miracle. Man, that's just kind of inspiring. I have not read... What page am I on here? Let's see. I'm on page 30. And my bookmark here... Who is this dude? It's a Meet the Author. It's a Meet the Author with some guy named Timothy Egan. He's the author of Short Nights of the Shadow Catcher. And... Yeah, so if that sounds interesting to you, you could probably find it on Amazon. That was at Third Place Books in Lake Forest Park, which I've talked about previous episodes. Here's a little quote. With a reporter's eye for detail, Egan delivers a gracefully written biography and adventure story from Publishers Weekly. Cool. Okay, so that's that. And something I was talking about last episode, a book from Michael Showalter. The dude from Wet Hot American Summer fame, the book is Guys Can Be Cat Ladies Too, and I just wanted to look at it and find a little funny part about it. Should I teach my cat Spanish? It certainly can't hurt. Anything can help your cat get a leg up in the competitive job market. Do cats really have nine lives? Theoretically, yes, but do not attempt to test this theory at home. The results could be tragic. This cat's poop smells funny. Should I keep smelling it? Nah, I'd say you've had enough for one day, bud. (laughs) I like that last one. That's funny. So we'll come back to that. And another little piece of inspiration from my... This one's from way back in the past. The old... I talked about this in the first six episodes of A Star is Born. Probably every episode I've mentioned it. What do you want to do before you die? The buried life. Johnny Penn, Dave Lingwood, Duncan Penn, and Ben Nemton from the MTV t- uh, TV show back in, I think it was 09 and 2010. 
Before I die, I want to crash a wedding dressed in a dragon costume. Super specific. I want to be the first girl baseball player to play for the San Francisco Giants. Only the Giants. No other teams, I guess. I want to tag Banksy while he's sleeping. Hey, it's like my graffiti socks. Um... Oh my, I went to kayak in the bay of bioluminescent plankton. This is my favorite picture. It's just bioluminescent plankton. Wow. It's just this yellow kayak in this dark outline of a dude in the middle of this gray, I guess it's water, this gray body of water. And there's all sorts of cool lights. Just that's probably the bioluminescent part. And then there's like a teal sky with a setting moon, a full moon setting over the dark outline of mountains. That's a beautiful picture. I want to know I was a good role model for my little bro. That's nice. I want to do a shot of Patron with Lil Wayne. (laughs) That's funny. I want to swing from a chandelier. A chandelier. I want to do a handstand on the South Pole so I can say I held up the world. Before I die, I want to understand why my mom chooses drugs over me and my brother. Oh man, some of the, yeah, some of these are really intense. I want to interview a killer. That sounds like the recent podcast, the fad. You know, um, making a murder. No, what's that? My favorite murder. I never really listened to it, but apparently, it's like the best podcast in the world. And my mom and sister went to a live episode in Seattle. So that was pretty cool, it sounds like. All right, I think now is a good time for me to skip right on back over to the old IMDb page. Here we go. We left you, <clears throat> excuse me, we left you off. 1983 Rumblefish, he plays Smokey. 84, Racing with the Moon, Nikki slash Bud. 84, The Cotton Club, plays Vincent Dwyer. 84, he had a big 84. Birdie, he plays Al Columbato. Columbato. 1986, The Boy in Blue, he plays Ned Hanlon. Uh, I, I don't think he's in this movie, but for some reason, this brings up the memory <laughs> that... <laughs> I can't remember what we were doing, but it was just me and a couple of my friends, and we must have been messing around and doing something that we weren't supposed to. And some old lady, <laughs> she was just this like classic elderly like senior citizen. She just pointed at us and she was like, "There's Bugsy." What'd she say? Bugsy, like p- the other one, like Peggy, like wherever the. It's, I think it was from the movie Bugsy, though. That's what. <laughs> that's what I was trying to. <laughs> I had that story really fizzled out right there, but you know what I'm trying to say. It was from Bugsy. I just can't remember the other names. I thought it was funny that she was labeling us from a movie that was an old movie that we didn't know. We didn't know what it was. So that's what was so funny about it to me, is that she was calling us names, and I was like, what are you talking about? I've never even heard of Bugsy. Um, And I, I know you probably think that I sound like I sound like the classic millennial like who says, if the movie's from before I was born, I don't even want to watch it. That's not... Couldn't be farther from the truth, because if you'll remember, my favorite movie of all time, probably, 
from the year 1986 in the great city of Chicago. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So I do not bind to that theory that <laughs> I'm not I'm not like that. But anyway, let me get back, pull back up this. Here we go. In, in 1987, here's a great movie. Oh, yes, I said Peggy Sue Got Married, Charlie Bodell. Yep, 86. 87, one of my, probably the first here, the first Nicolas Cage movie I've seen. And a great movie. Who is the director of this one? Ah, Raising Arizona. Cannot remember off the top of my head who was the director. He plays H.I. McDonough. I'm going to go ahead and click on it. I'm going to say no thanks to that. Holly Hunter's in it from... The Incredibles fame and the director see if I can find it real quick can't find it so I'm not going to worry about it oh the Coen brothers of course see now we're all happy y'all are probably happy that I figured that out because that's something that I should have known I don't like how I feel about the Coen brothers necessarily like their movies are super weird super quirky but I don't think I've seen enough of them to really judge because I can't even remember. I know there's the Hail Caesar one that I didn't see <laughs> that I think was coming out when I worked at AMC Woodenville. And there's got a couple. There's the Simple Man one that I haven't seen. Oh, yes, of course. Um, no Country for Old Men. That's Coen Brothers, right? That's No Country for Old Men is an awesome movie. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, it's about this serial killer who was just goes across the state of Texas just hunting down this one cowboy guy. And he has this <laughs> what's pressurizer. It's like a depressurizer thing that you would use to like kill a like livestock. And he uses that to kill people. It's super intense. All right. And that's uh, Javier Bardem plays that guy. 1987, Moonstruck. Uh, he plays Ronnie Cameron. 88, Vampire's Kiss. He plays Peter Lowe. Um, let's see. 89, uh, Never on Tuesday. He plays Man in Red Sports Car. Uncredited. Once again, it's the whole uncredited controversy. Like, I don't understand. How can he be uncredited if I'm reading his credits right now and it's right in there already? It seems like to me he's getting credited. And right now I'm pulling up the Mariners game, because it's time. Cue that music, baby. We haven't gone to the Netflix queue yet today. Cue the Mariners update music, baby. We won. Yes. 11-3. to The Mariners took down the Cincinnati Reds in the fourth game of spring training. So now we are 3-1 and in spring training, if you are interested in that kind of thing. Uh, looks pretty good there we go all right so that's uh your mariners update i'm looking forward to the season going to a few games over at safeco for sure even though i'm not back there in the seattle area i mean still definitely gonna go to some games and i think now is a good time to say oh yes i didn't give you guys a weather update so it's been oh man it's been brutal it's been snowing all day over here in Pullman, Washington. I'm over here uh, across the street from Washington State University. My apartment right now, it is 
4.02 on Monday, February 25th, 2019, 4.02 p.m. And, man, it's been snowing all day. It's snowing lightly. Like I drove to Walmart and McDonald's earlier. Man, by the way, I just have a couple, speaking of McDonald's, I got a couple sausage biscuits that have just been sitting here just yelling at my begging begging for me to take a bite from them so i'm gonna do that right now excuse this silence this silence was brought to you by mcdonald's i'm loving it that's too good a little life hack for you if you've never tried the sausage biscuit from mcdonald's Excuse my chewing on mic. If you can hear that, it's probably gross. You should get the sausage biscuit. It's only a dollar. And the bun is just biscuit that they lather with butter. And I put coleslaw and hot sauce on it to make it better. Sriracha, specifically. That's like my excuse for eating McDonald's. I put coleslaw on it, so... It tricks me into thinking it's healthy. But like I talked about, I don't know if that was episode 6 or 5 of Star Born, but I talked about my favorite fast food restaurants. And I said McDonald's is my favorite. And we don't even have a Wendy's here in Port, in uh, Pullman. We got a Arby's right next to McDonald's. Arby's is okay. It's pretty good. I enjoy roast beef. And Jack in the Box. And we got Taco Bell. T-Bell is probably second best in town, I'd say. Then Arby's. I'm not a big fan of Jack in the Box. I always just end up getting the tacos there and just regretting it. <laughs> I think I have a memory of... We were going through... It was high school, and we were going through the Taco Bell drive through in Canyon Park. And <laughs> I think we're, I was with my friend Brian and probably Brett and Steven, maybe, and... I think I, this is bad, but I'm admitting to this right now. I think I just went, urinated in the bushes, just pretty much right next to the Taco Bell drive-thru. Probably not thinking straight at a time. That's, that's my Taco, or I'm not Taco Bell, my um, Jack in the Box, my J and the B story. I thought it was pretty fun. Okay, here we go. Ah, yes. As I've been discussing every episode of A Star is Born, I'm considering coming up with a pen name or a stage name, as you will, if you will, because um, people don't, uh, they don't understand Arneson. They don't, they've never seen the name A-R-N-E-S-O-N. Like now they get, they get Armisen because of Fred Armisen, uh, SNL in Portlandia. So he kind of ruined everything for us, for our family. So we rue Fred Armisen. <laughs> no. But yeah, I've been coming up with uh, pen names. Uh, we got Chris, some of the old ones Chris Leaf, Chris Frost, Chris Floyd. Off the top right now, Chris Moss is nice. Chris Moss. I like the, if you can't tell, I like the symmetry of one syllable first, one syllable last. So here's another one Chris Holt. I like that. I like the sound of that. Chris Holt. All right. So, gave you that update. Oh, yes. I also wanted to let you know that I'm going to be bringing 
I'm going to be bringing the heat, so get ready for it. There's going to be a new episode of A Star is Born coming at you every single day. And if you can't tell already, they're going to be beefy. This is not your run-of-the-mill 30-minute weekly podcast. This is going to be a lot of content because that's my favorite. That's my that's what I like is I like podcasts that put out the content. Like Joe Rogan will put out like five or six, like two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour episodes a week like sometimes. So. And then Pete Holmes' episodes will be like four hours sometimes. And Burt Kreischer will have four-hour episodes sometimes. And those are those are the best ones, is what my point is. is. The long episodes are always my favorite ones because it's like the last 30 minutes of those episodes that just completely go off the rails and the podcast, they're just, the pod, the hosts are just like losing their minds basically. Like, like I was right there when I was trying to say podcasts. They're losing it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, like, I listened to a six-hour podcast once. I think it was a Birdcast. I think it was Danish and O'Neill came on the Birdcast. And they were on for, like, six hours. And that's one of the best episodes of that show of all time. Because they get so goofy. And I think they were drinking, too. And drinking and smoking. So they are just probably going way off the rails there and just having a really fun time (laughs) just messing around just being goofballs i think that's what's my favorite thing to listen to is goofing around but i mean i just have like i've discussed how my memory works i have specific memories linked to podcasts it's super weird like i can remember specifically being in my room at home and listening to pete holmes's podcast it must it was 2016 and you know how i know that because I, that's when I binge listened to like all like 300 of his episodes or whatever, however many there were. 2016 was Pete Holmes's podcast. 2017 was the Crab Feast, and then, excuse me, and then 2018 was um, Birdcast, Bert's podcast. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but I just love talking about things that inspire me that just gets me pumped up so if you haven't noticed already that's some of my favorite things to talk about speaking of my favorite things to talk about i i need to bring this up right now because i said i'm gonna talk about this every single episode of a star is born so here it is there's no easy segue to it it's the amc triple feature the year was 2009 the place was amc woodenville movie theater where i would go on to work uh seven years later and I was with my best friend growing up, Stephen Ungeract, and we bought a ticket to the movie Year One. And then, after Year One, we decided we hadn't had enough, so we snuck in to The Hangover, which was a great decision. And it was also ranked, rate, ranked, ranked R, rated R, and yeah, that was an awesome movie to go to. And then after The Hangover. We went to Land of the Lost. So <laughs> I've talked about each one of these movies already because Paul Rudd was in year one. And uh, what's it? Brody Stevens, all right, rest in peace, was in The Hangover. And what's his name? Will Ferrell was in Land of the Lost. First episode of A Star is Born was Will Ferrell. Episode one was Will Ferrell, then Mark Wahlberg, then Brody Stevens, then Paul Rudd, then... 
Aubrey Plaza, then Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, yeah, so if you have not listened to them, do that right now at this moment. And before I go any further, I want to talk about a made-up movie for Nicolas Cage. So here we go. I'm going to blast right into it. He's a blackjack dealer who also hates cards. <laughs> and it's going to be like a mumblecore. That's what it's going to be. We discussed the mumblecore genre previously. I can't remember specifically what movie it was connected to. But mumblecore, for those of you who don't know, is it's a genre of, of movies. Uh, the Duplass brothers actually perfected it. Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass. And it's kind of like when not like nothing really happens. It's kind of just like regular or everyday life. Like just going to the grocery store, just taking the kids to school, that kind of stuff. Walking the dog. So, yeah, that's what Mumblecore is. So this movie will be Mumblecore. And Nicolas Cage will be a blackjack dealer who has a vendetta. He strongly hates cards. And, yeah, it's, it sounds like a sad movie. And it's going to be called... <laughs> it'll be called Hit, Hit Me... Hit me one more time. It's like a combination of Britney Spears and Blackjack. So there we go. Hit me one more time. Nicholas Cage, a Blackjack dealer who has a strong distaste for cards. And I feel like there has to be some sort of... What's the twist? The twist is that he's also smuggling. He's also a drug smuggler. Because he needs a way to supplement his income. Because so, the casino doesn't pay him enough. So he'll be a drug smuggler who hates playing cards, and he's a blackjack dealer. All right. It's called Hit Me One More Time. Check that off the list. Um, oh, yes, we have my... Just wanted to let you know that I haven't moved my microwave, this thing in the corner, still unplugged, still, still has the photo on top that I talked about last episode, and the uh, T-shirts folded up like Marie Kondo. Um, wow, we're just crossing off all sorts of stuff. Oh, yes, I want to let you know that on my blog that I mentioned at the beginning, and I did not even mention this, but if you haven't, or even if you have, keep doing it. Tell a friend about the the podcast. Tell them about A Star is Born. We're building the community of starfishes over here. So tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your mom or dad or brother or sister or grandma or grandpa. Tell a coworker at the water cooler, let him know about A Star's Born, because we are growing the show, we're growing the community, and it's a super exciting time. This is the most exciting time of a podcast, it's the first few episodes. I'm kind of just, we're finding our footing, we're still figuring out what exactly the show is, and we're doing it together. We're doing it on the fly, so that's super fun, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons why this medium of communication this this time of art is just so like intriguing to me it's i really enjoy podcasts i mean i really like listening to them it's been hours it i don't know if this sounds crazy but probably hours every day listening to podcasts because as i've mentioned we don't have cable here in the apartment and pullman so i i haven't been watching and my one of my roommates he's always he's a gamer so he's always playing video games on the TV in the living room. So even if I wanted to watch Netflix out there, he's always playing games. And I'm not a big Netflix watcher really either. 
Because you know why? Because I like listening to podcasts. And I'm sure you do as well. Because that's why you're here right now. Listening to me babble, babble, Babylon. Is that what... Is Babylon like this... We mentioned the spoils of Babylon, but I never noticed that Babylon, like B-A-B-Y-L-O-N, that could be interpreted the same way as B-A-B-B-L-E space O-N. That's such a nerdy thought. Okay, here we go. Back to the show. So we, as we left you with Nicolas Cage, we were in 1988, and he was in Vampire's Kiss, Peter Lowe, Oh, yes, we said that already, because I also said 89, never on Tuesday, man in red sports car. Yep, said that. 89, time to kill. Um, excuse me, he plays Enrico Silvestri. 1990, wild at heart, he plays Sailor Ripley. Also 1990, Firebirds, plays Jake Preston. In 1990, there's a TV movie called Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, The Dream of the Brokenhearted. <laughs> he plays Heartbreaker. 91, Zandali. He plays Johnny Collins. 92, Honeymoon in Vegas. He plays Jack Singer. And here's uh, Las Vegas. Speaking of Las Vegas, there we go. Boom. But something, as you could, I wasn't being present in that moment because there's something on my mind. Something I wanted to tell y'all. Something I wanted to tell the starfishes. So I mentioned that I saw the Shins. I saw the Shins live in Bend, Oregon at a cool little outdoor amphitheater in Bend. And I went to that concert with my dad. I was only 19 at the time. And I, I just had this like vivid memory of... My dad was like, for some reason, he like elbowed me and like told me I should talk. And he like pointed up and told me I should talk to this girl. And she was just like looking at me. She must have been standing like 10 feet. This was during the concert. She must have been standing like 10 feet diagonally away or something, maybe a dozen feet or something, like with her mom. And then I just got like so nervous. And you know, when you're a kid and you just get super nervous, everyone's like looking at you and. I mean, I'm, at least that's the kind of kid I was. I would get very shy. Like, oh my goodness. Another memory about that is, I think it was junior year. It, now I was in the math building, <laughs> the math and science building, and uh, in Bothell High School. And <laughs> I got asked to, to uh, Tolo, to the Tolo dance, which is the one that the girl is, is supposed to ask the guy. And I just completely just like, I like didn't know what to say. I was like, dup, 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 dup. I, I don't even remember what I said. I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think I said like a, a real sentence. But yeah, so I didn't even end up, I did not go with that girl to the Tolo dance. That's the end of that story because that's how nervous of a kid I was. <laughs> I don't know why I was such a, I was a very shy and nervous kid. It must I don't know if I was sheltered or who knows what was going on there. Maybe it was just genes. It could be genes or environment or who. It doesn't really matter, though, because we made it here to this moment. That's all that really matters as we're all who we are now. And we can't even control that, you know. It's just what it is. 
but yeah, I didn't I didn't talk to that girl at the Shins concert either. So that's that was my memory from that. And I wanted to I wanted to be honest with you guys and let you know because that's the number one rule of the Stars Born podcast is be honest. So nineteen ninety one, Zandali, Johnny Collins, yeah. Uh, 92, yep, we just said this, Honeymoon in Vegas, Jack Singer, Nine, <clears throat> excuse me, 93, Amos and Andrew, uh, he plays Amos Odell, uh, nine, 93, Red Rock West, plays Michael, 93, Deadfall, plays Eddie, 94, Guarding Tess, plays Doug Chesnick, uh, also 94, It Could Happen to You, plays Charlie Lang. Also 94, Trapped in Paradise, plays Bill Furpo. Man, I haven't heard of any of these movies. Have, <laughs> have you guys heard of any of these? I have heard of Honeymoon in Vegas, but I haven't seen the only one I've seen so far. I heard of Moonstruck as well, but the only one I've seen so far is Raising Arizona. Which was a classic, classic movie. If you haven't seen it, you might be able to add it to the old Netflix queue if you want. Um, so yeah, 94, we just said that. 95, he's in a little something called Kiss of Death. He plays Little Junior Brown. Um, let's see, is there anything else here? That one, uh, Any regular segments here? Man, I still can't believe... I just saw that sports quotient email right before I started recording this, and that shocked me. I was like, so surprised that th- that website is going to come to an end. I just started writing for them last March, so it hasn't even been a year since I started writing for them, and now they're going under. That's how that's how cutthroat this business is, I guess. Um, looks like there's not really any more regular segments. Oh, no, I think now would be a good time for me to read a couple more little little bits of the Life's Little Instruction Book. Here we go. Stop at a visitor's information center when entering a state for the first time. Now, that's just sound advice. Good travel advice. Something your travel agent would tell you. When eating cinnamon rolls... Oh, here, I love this one. When eating cinnamon rolls or prime rib... Eat the center portion first. I always do that, especially with cinnamon rolls. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to eat a cinnamon roll center. And also, <laughs> I, I used to have a real problem with this. I would always just eat the top of cupcakes and then never eat the rest of them. How about you guys? Do you eat the whole cupcake? <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are like me. Add postscripts to your letters. Make them sweet and kind. Remember that bad luck as well as good luck seldom lasts long. Nothing lasts forever. Never let anyone challenge you to drive faster than you think is safe. Offer your place in line at the grocery checkout if the person behind you has only two or three items. This guy is super nice. I wonder if he actually like lives by all his all his little tips. Like, do you think he actually lets people cut him in line? Like most people don't do that. It's easy to say, but it's, I don't know, like, <laughs> I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever let anyone cut me in line. I definitely would if they asked, though. I wouldn't say no if someone asked. If they if they only had a couple things and they were in a hurry, I would definitely let them cut. But it just seems kind of weird, kind of bold 
to just tell someone, just go ahead. But I've had people let me cut in line, though, so I don't know what my problem with it is. <laughs> okay. Do you guys let people cut you in line? Here we go. Back to the, the old filmography. 1995, he is in. Kiss of Death, Lil Junior Brown. 95, Leaving Las Vegas. Ben Sanderson. Let's see what this is. I'm clicking on it. Excuse me. Clicking on it right now. Ben Sanderson, a Hollywood screenwriter who has lost everything because of his alcoholism, arrives in Las Vegas to treat, drink himself to, dre- to death. Oh, no. There he meets and forms an uneasy friendship and non-interference pack with prostitute Sarah. Wow. Who plays Sarah? Elizabeth. Elizabeth S. Shoe. Elizabeth Shoe. What's she known for? She's known for, oh, Adventures in Babysitting. I remember watching that movie on AMC. And I can't even remember, not off the top of the head, what AMC's slogan is. But I think we're still we're still batting around the idea of FX being fearless, but we still haven't looked it up. Um, she's in, also in Battle of the Sexes, that, the movie about Billie Jean King. Um, okay, so... Sounds like an interesting movie for Nicolas Cage. And it's his favorite little town, uh, Vegas. God, he's just synonymous with that place. He, Nicolas Cage in Las Vegas, that's like two peas in a pod. That's like peanut and butter. 1996, he's in The Rock. He plays Stanley Godspeed. Goodspeed. I think his name should be Godspeed. That's a very well-known movie. that I've heard a ton about that. Sean Connery and Ed Harris too, and um, also Michael Bean. And why do I think my, Michael Bean's? Why do I think that's interesting? Because shout out to Kalen from um, Kalen from Adam Carolla show. It's Michael Bean's son. If you didn't know that, fun fact. Nineteen ninety-seven. He's in Con Air. And my memory associated with this movie is being in Utah in, uh, what was this, January of 2017. I flew there from Spokane. Um, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And yeah, that was for, that was actually for a column. <laughs> That's the, It was so cool. That's the only time I've ever really traveled to write a column. And I wrote that column for Daily Evergreen. So you can find it, the Daily Evergreen or... Was it just dailyevergreen.com? But yeah, I went to uh, two Utah Jazz games and one University of Utah Utes game. The Utes played UCLA and the Jazz played, let's see if I can remember off the top, the Magic and who else? Pistons? I think it was the Pistons, Magic and Pistons. But that was super fun, like going... Just I felt so independent, and what that has to do with Conair is, I stayed at, I stayed at a hotel, and I just have a specific memory of. I think it must have been right after the Jazz game, or the Utes game. One of those. Oh no! I went to the. So how I did it was. The first I came into town on Friday, then that Friday night I went to the Jazz game, and then Saturday afternoon I went to the Utes game. And then Saturday night, I went to the jazz game and then went home Sunday. So 
it must have been Friday night or Saturday night. But I was just in the hotel room, just laying on the bed in the, in the dark, watching Con Air. So I always will associate Con Air with Salt Lake City, Utah. Now also, also remember watching Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod, but really specifically remember watching Louisville and Donovan Mitchell play when I was in Utah, which is funny because then the next season he went on to play for the Utah Jazz. Okay, here we go. We're getting out of there. Yeah, I'm really happy that I did that trip, though. Uh, very, very, definitely worth it. Uh, 1997, a classic Nicolas Cage movie that people associate that this movie with Nicolas Cage maybe more than anyone. The movie, Face Off. Alongside John Travolta, he plays Castor Troy. And I have not even seen Face Off, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But other than the fact that I really love the whole plot of the movie... I like the simplicity of the plot. Like, isn't it just like he carves his face and puts it on his and then he becomes John Travolta? Is that... Who steals whose face? That's what I want to know. If I'm just guessing, I bet Nicolas Cage steals John Travolta's face. All right. 1998, he's in City of Angels. He plays Seth. Also 98. Here we go. So I wrote... I wrote a blog post, I think it was called The 12 Worst Nicolas Cage Movies, and this is one of the 12 worst Nicolas Cage movies, uh, according to me, because <laughs> they were all on Netflix, so I just watched like a bunch of Nicolas Cage movies. I went on a run, it's called Snake Eyes, he plays Rick Santoro, I'm going to click on it, a shady police detective finds himself in the middle of a murder conspiracy of, at an important boxing match. In the Atlantic City Casino. Man, I do not remember any of that happening. <laughs> I thought this movie was in New York City or uh, New Orleans, but I guess not. <clears throat> Maybe I didn't watch Snake Eyes. Okay. <laughs> 1999. He's in 8mm. 8mm. He plays Tom Wells. Also 99. He's in something called Bringing Out the Dead. He plays Frank Pierce. In 2000, Nick Cage is in a movie I've heard a lot about. Oh my gosh, this is such a funny coincidence. Because I think it was just either last episode or the one before that I said, so we were looking, for some reason we were looking at Tennessee Williams. It may have been a quote from, it was actually probably a quote from The Truth About Writing, the book right here that I'm about to dive into a little bit. But yes, so it was Tennessee Williams. And then I said... I said these words. I like the name. I said, I like the name Tennessee. You know what other name I like? Memphis. Nick Cage plays Memphis Reigns in Gone Gone in 60 Seconds. That's a crazy coincidence. See, these are the kinds of coincidences that I was talking about. Like, I think there's some sort of like higher coincidence power, higher power with coincidences. I swear. Like, it's this kind of stuff. Like, the name Memphis, like... I I have not seen Gone in 60 Seconds, so I must have read about him. Uh, Bill Simmons used to write about Nick Cage a lot, too, so he probably wrote about Gone in 60 Seconds, mentioned Memphis Reigns, and it burrowed its way into my subconscious, I guess, and then, (laughs) man, it's weird how that works. Okay, also in 2000, 
The Family Man. He plays Jack Campbell. O one, Captain Corelli's mandolin. He plays Captain Antonio Corelli. O one, haven't heard of either of those. Um, we have to before we go any further. I'm gonna go ahead and click on Gone in sixty seconds because now we gotta see what that one's all about. So it's PG thirteen, hundred eighteen minutes, an action crime thriller. <clears throat> Here we go. A retired master car thief must come back to the industry and steal 50 cars with his crew in one night to save his brother's life. What? What a ridiculous plot to the movie. And Angelina Jolie's in it, too. (laughs) That's just, like, the most typical... I wonder if Nicolas Cage wrote that movie. Because that sounds, like, straight out of his mind. Like that (laughs) That sounds like they had to change the plot a lot to convince him to do it. Alright, so, also, alright, right now I'm actually stretching my back, so if you want, you can join me. Even if you're in a public place, even if you're like in the grocery store or something, or at Costco, I think you should go ahead and stretch, stretch out your back real good. Alright, there we go. Alright, excuse me. Oh, count to ten. Count those sheep. They're riding the motorcycle through... A hoop of flames over a pit of snakes. Because that's what Nicolas Cage would do. Alright, here we go. Now I feel like a million bucks. I feel a lot better now. Oh, one. He's in A Christmas Carol. Um, I don't... See, that's another thing. Remember I was talking about the movies I haven't seen? Like, I said I haven't seen Rocky or The Godfather. Any of... Any Rockies or any of The Godfathers. I'm going to take a sip of my... Wawa out of my Red Robins, Red Robins water bottle. One second, please. Mm mm, mm mm. But yeah, so I haven't seen the Rockies. I haven't seen Godfathers. I haven't seen what else? I haven't seen Scarface or some really popular, well-known, famous, culturally significant movies. But you know what else I haven't seen? Why was I see? Now I made myself forget. Oh yes, there we go. What else I haven't seen? A Christmas Carol. Isn't that isn't that the famous Is is a Christmas Carol the famous one with Scrooge? See, I'm now I'm just confusing myself. I may have watched may have watched it in like seventh grade English or something. But speaking of seventh grade English, it just reminds me that that was the most out of control class I've ever been in. Um uh, Taven so Taven and Kyle they were best friends they were both in that class and and they were just like crazy like rambunctious you, you know the, the kids I'm talking about the the class clowns like the kids who disrupt class pretty much so they pretty much got everyone going and then there's a bunch of other people just like that in that class like like football players like you know just people who just they want to mess around you know <laughs> not that all football players want to mess around that's not true of course but back in seventh grade most of us were pretty rowdy and in this particular class it was miss i think it was miss smith i don't think it was even mrs i think it was miss smith and she was this tiny little lady thinking back she might have been maybe like five one five two just tiny little like brunette like probably 50 50 years old mate no not 50 
probably forty, early forties, maybe. And she was nice, like she tried to be nice, but she always ended up coming off like. <laughs> I mean, she was just always yelling at us. Cause what else are you gonna do when no one will listen? Like you have to just start yelling at everyone. And I remember specifically that she had this wooden frog that had like jagged edges on it or whatever and she would just stroke it with this like stick and it made like it made this weird vibrating noise you know it was supposed to be like a sound maker and that was supposed to be a noise that means everyone be quiet and yeah i just specifically remember her stroking the the wooden frog and, and making the loud vibrating noise and everyone was just going insane and not ignoring the frog completely so that that image has been ingrained into my mind. <laughs> so here we go. O2, Wind Talkers. Uh, he plays Joe Enders. Joe Enders. And that looks like a, it's like a military movie. Uh, O2. He's in Sunny. He plays Acid Yellow. O2, he's in Adaption. Plays Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman. What is that one? I'm I'm clicking on it right now because is this the one that uh what's his name? Malkovich is in? Is Malkovich in this one? Uh Tilda Swinton, Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper. No, it looks like no Malkovich. What movie am I thinking of? Maybe I'm thinking of the inside what is it, inside John Malkovich? Here we go. Adaption, 115 minutes, rated R, a comedy drama. A lovelorn screenwriter becomes desperate as he tries and fails to adapt The Orchard Thief by Susan Orlean for the screen. Okay, so that sounds pretty boring. It's just, how can you struggle that much? That Why would, see, now that's what I, it may, sorry, (laughs) I can't speak right now. Um, That's what's so interesting to me, being a writer, why would it be difficult What's so difficult about adapting a a book to become a movie? Like, it seems to me like that seems like it'd be pretty easy to just put put a book into into what what do you call it script form? But that's how much I know about writing movies. Is I don't really know much. I I would love to learn more because I know I know how to write books. But I don't know how to necessarily write scripts or what the difference is or how you translate them, how they compare to each other, what their relationship is. I'd like to learn more about that. 2003, um, Matchstick Men. He plays Roy Waller. Oh, here, now we're getting into the sweet stuff. So, this is my favorite. I'm already telling you right now. I'm already spoiling the end. This movie's definitely going to make it into the top three. 04, National Treasure. Benjamin Franklin Gates. See, did you know his name is Benjamin Franklin? And that, what? That's so cheesy, so so corny, so cagey. If you have not seen National Treasure, I'm clicking on it right now. This is one of my favorite movies growing up. Definitely shaped who I am as a person. I love it. It's rated PG, 131 minutes. Super long movie. Over two hours. Uh, action, adventure, family. Here we go. A historian races to find the legendary Templar treasure before a team of mercenaries. So it's all about a hunt for, hunt for buried treasure. 
and it's a great movie. It has Doug from, see, there we could have done our hangover. If I was patient enough, <clears throat> excuse me, if I was patient enough, I would have waited till till this moment to do the the whole AMC triple feature discussion. But I'm, I guess I wasn't because Doug from The Hangover is also in National Treasure. So I would have made that connection there. But this National Treasure is just a super fun, it's like a trope, a tromp or a trope. It's a caper. It's an adventure. It's a, it's a good movie. And it's a good family movie too. So you can watch it with all ages. It's not inappropriate. And yeah, Nicolas Cage is for everyone. That should be the, that's the theme of this podcast. Nicholas Cage for everyone. Two thousand five, uh, Lord of the Lord of War. He plays Yuri Orlov. Also, oh five, he plays David Spritz in The Weatherman. Oh six, he plays Zock, the voice of Zock, Z O C, in The Ant Bully. See, I gotta click on that. Like, how can there be something that comes out in theaters that Nicholas Cage is in? that I have never even heard of. And there's not that many cartoons out there. So it seems like, I mean, maybe there are more than I know, though. I don't know. This one was 06, so I guess it was a long time ago. The Ant Bully. Oh, I thought it was going to be the Ant Buddy there. The Ant Bully. Here we go. Here's the, the old synopsis. After Lucas Nickel floods an ant colony with his water gun... He's magically shrunken down to insect size and sentenced to hard labor in the ruins. Wow, that's super dark. That's that's like a dark turn. So it's kind of like um, a cartoon version of that new Matt Damon movie, which we'll get to in the A Star is Born episode of Matt Damon. Oh, Julia Roberts is in this. Meryl Streep is in it. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. That's my Paul Giamatti impression. <laughs> Did you like it? Was it good? Oh my gosh. Paul Giamatti, I remember him from... He was the same character in the uh, the Brian Wilson Beach Boys movie and Straight Out Compton. He plays the same character in those two movies. The, like, the evil music producer dude. So, also in 06, World Trade Center... Uh, Nick Cage is John McLaughlin. McLaughlin, oh six, The Wicker Man. He plays Edward Malus. Oh seven, Ghost Rider. Plays Johnny Blaze slash Ghost Rider. I know I've been talking about him a lot, but Adam Carolla has a funny. He has a funny little bit about Ghost Rider where, what is it like? He's being interviewed. <laughs> and, and they ask him how far he he's go he jumps and he says three hundred feet and they're on a football field so he could have just said a hundred yards but he says he says feet and then I think another thing that Corolla gets angry about <laughs> is what he says like from field goal to field goal instead instead of saying like from post to post I think that's what it is but it's really funny <laughs> it's just funny stuff. 07, Nick Cage, Grindhouse. He plays Fu Manchu in the Werewolf Woman of the SS segment. Was Grindhouse the thing that the Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez thing? I think, yep, I think it was. Yep, it was. Yeah, Eli Roth was in there too. Um, it's one of the directors. 
Grindhouse. It was like the double feature. Here we go. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. Their homage to ex- exploitation double features in the 60s and 70s with two back-to-back cult films that include previews of coming attractions between them. Previews of coming attractions. So kind of like when you put at the end of your book, you put like a the first chapter of your new book. I think that's what they're talking about. I like the idea of double features. That's a fun... I mean, obviously, I like the idea of triple features, but double features... Like, you're actually, like, legally going to both movies. is That sounds fun. Okay. So, oh, and I should probably talk about Tarantino. Do I like Quinn Tarantino? I mean, he's pretty, he's good. He's definitely one of the best directors out there. But I, like I was saying, Wes Anderson's my favorite director. So, Wes Anderson's pretty much the opposite of Quinn Tarantino, I'd say. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I feel like Quinn Tarantino would, he's over like, he's like blowing up anthills and then Wes Anderson's like laying in a hammock or like playing hacky sack or something. But um, yeah, Tarantino movies. So what's the best one? Pulp Fiction is good. Django and Chain's good. Inglourious Bastards is good. Uh, what's another? I'm, I, I wasn't a big fan of Hateful Eight. I didn't really think that one was that good. It was... It got really weird there <laughs> for a second with um, Samuel L. Jackson had a weird scene in that movie. And uh, Kill Bill, of course. Of course those are good. Both those are good ones. So right now we're talking about... So that's enough Tarantino talk. <laughs> a new segment of the show, Tarantino talk. Now, Right now we're talking about Next, which is a Nicolas Cage movie from 2007... Uh, it's PG-13, 96 minutes, action, adventure, crime. This is one of the 12 worst Nicolas Cage movies from thegoat1.blogspot.com for my blog. A Las Vegas magician who can see into the future is pursued by FBI agents seeking to use his abilities to prevent nuclear terrorist attacks. See, this is a classic Cage plot. Like, doesn't make any sense, but... It also like shines, it shines light on Nicolas Cage, like it makes him look good. <laughs> but uh, that's a good movie. I remember it being like you wouldn't think it's any good, but I remember that movie being a lot better than I thought it would be. So also in two thousand seven, here we go, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. But he plays Ben Gates, no Benjamin Franklin that time. It's the sequel to National Treasure, and this is a fun one because. They go to South Dakota. They go inside Mount Rushmore. It's pretty dope. <laughs> the people, dope is dope. It is. I don't know if Nicholas Cage has ever been described as dope, but it's the dopest thing he's ever done. There's like a giant like field of treasure and gold, and just it's like a lagoon of treasure. And inside the the uh, what's it called Mount Rushmore is awesome. Like, if that was real, then I would definitely be like Nicolas Cage and just going on hunts and stuff and just, just like kicking in bar, like bar doors, like, like, you know, like the old like saloon double doors. Like, I'm sure Nicolas Cage is always kicking those in. I can, I just imagine him just stopping at a saloon just so he can just like bust in the double doors and make an entrance and do some. I don't know. I don't know what 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 he does. I'm just spitballing over here. <laughs> I'm just guessing what what I think is in, going on inside Nicolas Cage's head. I think 
it's I think it's probably pretty calm like he seems like he's crazy on the exterior which means the inside of his head is probably like very calm and serene you know what I mean because because his exterior is so rough and so et, so jagged so sandpapery <laughs> He just he just needs I guess he needs a sandpaper to smooth out his smooth out smooth out the edges of his life. I don't know if any of that made any sense, but it made sense in my head. Just didn't come out correctly, I guess. So here we go. The only movie from two thousand eight that Nicolas Cage stars in. He plays Joe in Bangkok Dangerous. I've heard a lot about Bangkok Dangerous. Uh oh nine, another movie from the worst twelve. Knowing plays John Costler. That's a good one. I'm going to go ahead and click on it. Let's see. MIT professor John Costler links a mysterious list of numbers from a time capsule to past and future disasters and sets out to, to prevent the ultimate catastrophe. So this movie is all about numbers. It's kind of like the TV show numbers, probably. Never seen that TV show, but it seemed like it was on for like at least like my whole childhood or something a dozen years maybe <laughs> numbers was always on but i never watched it you know those shows that are always on tv but you never watch them you know one of those other shows one of those shows that i've seen a little bit just recently judge judy and i gotta say judge judy like i can see why she's successful like i <laughs> That's, I mean, it just makes sense. If you watch her for a minute, you see the fire in her eyes, like the determination, the anger, the disgust that she has for people. <laughs> like her emotions are just completely raw and unfiltered, just completely just, I don't know, just organic. That show's organic, I guess. <laughs> it's probably like the least organic show, but her, she she gets angry though. I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's fun to watch her get mad. <laughs> I guess that's my review of Judge Judy. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Oh nine G Force. Oh, speaking of daytime television, a show that's actually pretty good. Oh, I found myself actually two of these shows. Two shows come to mind. I liked um, what is it? I don't know what's called, but the one with the one with Ryan Seacrest and uh, what's her name? Is it Kathy Lee? Is it Ryan Seacrest and Kathy Lee Gifford or Kelly? Oh, no, it's Ryan and Kelly. Yep, Ryan Seacrest and Kelly Ripa. That's a good show. I have a lot of memories watching that show at uh, my grandparents' house because they were always, they always got the TV on there. So they're watching the daytime TV, and they would watch the Today Show, and then I think that Ryan Seacrest comes on right after the Today Show, I believe. Or actually... Seacrest and Seacrest and Ripa might be on ABC. And then um another TV show that I enjoyed was uh daytime TV, uh Ellen. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't think like not her sitcom. I'm talking about Ellen the TV show, the daytime show. It's just fun. Like she she dances and she she seems like her her audience, I like it when the audience is super obsessed with the person. <laughs> I think there might be no audience that's more obsessed with her with the person than Ellen's audience. They go nuts for her, and she's all, she's like points out at them, and she's like gives them props and throws gifts at them, and it's fun. And her guests, she gets good guests on that show. Same with Seacrest and Ripa. Um, here we go. So 
09, G Force. He's the voice of Speckles. So it was, I don't know if this like the same where these hamsters is from the Kia commercial. Uh, 09, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Terrence McDonough. There's a movie in New Orleans. Don't remember that. 09, he's an Astro Boy. He's the voice of Dr. Tenma. I heard someone talking about this on camera, which podcast it was, just something I was listening to. But they were like saying, like, why do you have to get famous people to do voiceover roles? That's just a weird phenomenon that that everyone in society has like agreed to just being being okay. Like that should be because no one for the most part, people don't know unless they have a really recognizable voice, the average person won't know who who's doing the voiceover. So so why give them that role? It's an interesting interesting theory, interesting discussion. I lean I lean to the side that yeah, you should give it to less famous people, less successful people. <laughs> Just spread spread around the wealth a little. Like I mean, come on, like Nicolas Cage, he could like we want to see him in front of the camera. Like we don't want to listen to Nicolas Cage. That's my main point, I guess. Like these famous actors, they're famous because because we like to see them, not because we like to hear them. So that's why we shouldn't give them roles where we can only hear them. That's my two cents on that. Um, 2010, Nick Cage is in Kick-Ass as Damon MacReady slash Big Daddy. This was a good movie. Good little twist on the whole superhero genre. Uh, I'll click on it and give you a little... Synopsis, Dave Lazowski is an unnoticed high school student and comic book fan who one day decides to become a superhero, even though he has no powers, training, or meaningful reason to do so. Who plays Dave Lazowski? Um, Aaron Taylor. Okay. Never heard. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Never heard of him. Evan Peters from, what's that show? American Horror Story is in... Wow, American Horror Story. That what do I think about that show? I think I haven't seen a lot of it. I th- I saw the first season and it was really good. And then let's see. The Carnival one looked interesting. The one with the witches, the coven, that looks interesting. What other one was there? There was oh the house. There was like a well the first one was like the haunted house and then I think there's another house one. Oh, there's a prison one too, <clears throat> a prison one as well. Wow, I just named all the American Horror Stories off the top, but I think I've only seen the first one. That show's just is creepy, and I like the idea of it because it's kind of like a horror movie in a TV show. And if you'll remember, horror movies is in my top three of genres, along with comedy and heist. So also in 2010. Nick Cage is in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. He plays Balthazar. Balthazar. Um, I think now is a good time for me to take a little break from Nick Cage. We had a lot of, we had a lot of Cage there for a while. And I'm going to hop on over to The Truth About Writing. The book I've, I've been reading about this for the past few episodes. I've been reading little excerpts, little quotes from it. So I'm going to keep doing that. I went for years not finishing anything because, of course, when you finish something, you can be judged. Erica Jong. Man, that's rough. My six words of advice to writers are 
read, 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 write, write, write. Ernest J. Gaines. That's a good one. But I think you should, honestly, if you're a writer and all you're doing is reading and writing, then you're not living a complete enough life. I think you need to get out there. Get out there a little more and have some more experiences. The first draft is just you telling yourself the story. Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett sounds like a point guard for the Boston Celtics from 1983. (laughs) That's what that sounds like. It's like a... It's like a small forward for the Atlanta Hawks from the late 70s, Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett led the league in blocks in 1979. All right. <laughs> Easy reading is damn hard writing. Nathaniel Hawthorne. There's a hell of a distance between wisecracking and wit. Wit has truth to it. Wisecracking is simply calisthenics with words. Wow. Dorothy Parker. Make it dark. Make it grim, make it tough, but then, for the love of God, tell a joke. Joss Whedon. Isn't Joss Whedon a... I think Joss Whedon's a current director. Um, maybe he'll get a, a Stars Born episode. I strongly believe that writing... An act, I strongly believe that writing is an act of courage. It's almost an act of physical courage. Ta-Nehesi Coates. The beautiful part of writing is that you don't have to get it right the first time, unlike, say, a brain surgeon, Robert Cormier. (laughs) All right, that's a funny one to leave on right there. Okay, so I don't really have anything else on tap, so I'm just going to get right back to it. Nick Cage, 2011, Season of the Witch. He plays Bayman. Also 2011, Drive Angry. He plays Milton. Oh, yes, and that was um the start of the episode. That was actually a Bare Naked Lady song. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy you a house. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy your love. If I had a million dollars... We wouldn't have to walk to the store If I had a million dollars We'd take a limousine Cause it costs more If I had a million dollars We wouldn't have to eat craft dinner I love Bare Naked Ladies Talked about them, I think, last episode One of my parents' favorite bands And that's when I was wondering If music genes truly can be passed down Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Well, I am lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Ooh, drove downtown in the rain, 9.30 on a Tuesday night, just to check out the late night record show, late night record show. Got an impression, got an impression, it's kind of insane. Well, when I'm surrounded, I just can't stop. That's Brian Wilson. Speaking of Paul Giamatti, Brian Wilson. Another Bare Naked Ladies song, but man, I love those Canadian dudes. All right, let's get back to Nick Cage. I just wanted to give them a shout out because I sang their song at the beginning. If you call that singing, uh, 2011... Drive Angry, he plays Milton. 2011, Seeking Justice, he plays Will Gerard. Another movie 
from the worst 12 I made on my blog for Nicolas Cage. It's rated R, 105 minutes, action crime drama. After his wife is assaulted, a husband enlists the services of a vigilante group to help him settle the score. Then he returns, then he discovers they want a favor from him in return. A favor from him. I was distracted there for a second because Settle the Score sounds like a Nicolas Cage movie. That's what I thought there. January Jones is in this too. So January Jones, that's a good uh, Hoodie Allen song. Hoodie Allen, the rapper. Uh, 2011 Trespass plays Kyle Miller. 2011 Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Plays Johnny Blaze slash Ghost Rider. Maybe that was the one that the thing Corolla was talking about with the goalposts and 300 feet. That might have been from that one. 2012, Stolen. He plays Will Montgomery. I'm going to click on this one. I think this might have been from the worst 12 as well. Let's see. A former thief frantically searches for his missing daughter who has been kidnapped and locked in the trunk of a taxi. Yep, this was. This was in the worst 12. I watched this one as well. Josh Lucas is in it too. Malene, I don't know if it's Malin or Malene Ackerman. She's in a children's hospital. And she's also in Wanderlust from a Paul Rudd fame. From the, from the old Paul Rudd episode. Um, here we go. Back to the action. So, <clears throat> 2013, The Croods. He, he's the voice of Grug. Also 2013, The Frozen Ground Sergeant Jack Holcomb. 2013, he plays Joe in Joe. And 2014, he plays Paul McGuire in Rage. I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was also in The Worst 12. I'm pulling it up right now, but it's loading so darn slow that I'm going to keep moving. So 2014, he's also an outcast. He plays Ghislaine. There we go. Outcast. That was definitely in the t- worst 12 that I watched. I watched this movie. This movie, <laughs> wow, this is interesting. It's not rated. How can a movie these days not be rated? What is that? 99 minutes action adventure drama. A mysterious warmer, warmer warrior teams up with the daughter and son of a deposed Chinese emperor to defeat their crew bro- brother who seeks their deaths. Wow. I remember this movie being absolutely terrible. So, (laughs) do not watch Outcast. I mean, even if you you like the medieval stuff, I would watch A Knight's Tale. That's a movie that I just watched recently on Netflix, actually. Add it to the old Netflix queue. But yeah, I actually watched that movie with my roommate. My roommates, roommate, roommates, and then, yeah. I found it to be pretty entertaining. It was Heath Ledger. Um, what's his name's in it? Steve the Pirate. Steve the Pirate. Arr. Steve the Pirate. Uh, Alan Tudyk. Is that his name? Yeah, the redhead dude. He's in it. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. They they sing Queen, I Will. We Will Rock You. Everyone sings that. And it's like a medieval movie. So if that sounds interesting to you, you should check out A Knight's Tale on Netflix. Here's another 
piece of advice from Life's Little Instruction Book. Don't buy a cheap mattress. Man, I don't know if I can say I'm living by that one. I'm Right now I'm sleeping on like a... It's a nice... If we're going to be honest, it's, it's nice, but it's a blow-up. I'm sleeping on a blow-up mattress. A quality blow-up mattress, for sure. Just to let you know what I'm, what I'm dealing with over here in Pullman. Okay? <laughs> so 2014, Left Behind... He plays Rayford Steele. What a name. Rayford. Is that what Ray is short for? <laughs> Was, is everyone named Ray just their real name is Rayford? R-A-Y-F-O-R-D. And then Steele with an E on the end. Is that how you... No, you spell Steele. You don't spell Steele with an E on the end. Do you think that makes it tougher? I think that makes it look a little weaker. I kind of like steel as a name just without with no e on the end like spelled like the spelled like the real thing so 2014 and that's just that's how i like spelling because that's one of the things like being a being a writer like i'm always very picky about like how things are not really spelled i don't really care that much about grammar but i'm always picky about word choice like there's an advertisement or a commercial or something in the newspaper like an ad in a magazine or something I see, and they just choose like a ridiculous word for something. Like if they call like a Ritz cracker, like, I don't know, what would you call it? What would be a bad thing? Like Sandy <laughs> or like, how what would be crummy? If you called a Ritz cracker, like crummy, then crummy means bad. Um, 2014, Left Behind. Yep, Rafer Steel. Yep, yep. Dying of the Light, 2014. He plays Evan Lake, another great name. Lake is a great last name, especially if you live in Minnesota. If you, Minnesota, can you imagine, like, if you lived in Minnesota and your name, <laughs> your last name is Lake, you're pretty much a, destined for greatness. 2015, he's in The Runner. He plays Colin Price. Oh, here's another one from The Worst 12. 2015, he plays Mike Lawford in Pay the Ghost. Now this, I remember, another not rated. What's the deal with Nicolas Cage movies not being rated? What? It must be, the people who make the ratings must be so like flustered, just bamboozled by his acting style. Like they don't even know what they're watching. So they're like, we can't even consider this a movie. We can't even compare this to other movies. This is, this is so out of the box that it can't even be compared. <laughs> oh my God, that cracks me up for some reason that... The fact that a bunch of these Nicolas Cage movies are not rated is crazy to me. A drama horror mystery. A professor frantically searches for his son who was abducted during a Halloween car- carnival. Oh, this is a great movie. Now, if you're trying to watch a wacky Nicolas Cage movie that no one's heard of, watch Pay the Ghost. It was like, it's kind of like a live action Coco almost. Because like, it's like. Like they said, in a Halloween carnival, and there's just skulls, like lit up skulls everywhere, and like bright lights and fireworks and stuff. So, you know, Coco, the Pixar movie, which you'll remember made my top three Pixar movies. What was it? It was Finding Nemo, Coco, and what was the other one? It Was it Up? Oh, no, it wasn't Up. See, I should be able to remember my own top. Oh, Finding Nemo, Coco, and boom, boom 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 can't remember it gonna keep moving on you can listen to a previous episode of 
A Star is Born, and you'll find out what the other top three of my Pixar movies was. Um, 2016, The Trust. He plays Stone. Here's another one from the Worst 12 on my blog post, Nicolas Cage, 2016. Oh my gosh, it's... <laughs> oh my gosh, it's unrated. Oh my god. 2016, Dog Eat Dog. 93 minutes, comedy crime drama. A crew of ex-cons are hired for... Are hired by Cleveland Mafioso. 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 That sounds like something that Zora would say. Mafioso. To kidnap the baby of a rival monster. So this is like a crime-infused movie. Willem Dafoe stars in it. From, uh, yeah, I do I even have to explain the Douglas movie's shithead thing? <laughs> Will, he's, sorry for the language if you have a kid in the car. But at the end of every Douglas movie back in the day, he used to say, Willem Dafoe is a shithead. But now he just lets, um, he lets the um, people that the guests are playing for choose a shithead to to say (laughs) so yeah that's how that works with douglas movies check it out it's one of my favorite podcasts one of the podcasts i've listened to the most the longest i would say i've been listening to that thing since honestly since like 2007 maybe like that may be the first podcast i ever listened to honestly it's douglas movies so yeah take that to the bank 2016 he's in snowden he plays Hank Forrester. Was this not Joseph Gordon? Yep, it was. It was Joe Gore. Joe Gore. Joe Gorelev. It was Joe Gorelev. Um, the one about Edward Snowden. Okay, so Joe Gorelev. <laughs> Joe. Gore, I can't stop saying that. I love it so much. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna just skip by that without addressing it. How how much I love that. He stars alongside Joe Gordlev of 500 Days of Summer fame. So 2016, he's also in USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage. He plays Captain McVeigh. I believe this was also in my worst 12 Nicolas Cage movies. It's rated R, so at least it's rated. 128 minutes, action, drama, history. During World War III, an American Navy ship is sunk by a Japanese submarine, leaving 300 crewmen stranded in shark-infested waters. Dang, so it sounds a little bit like uh, Dunkirk. I, which, honestly, gotta give a quick review of Dunkirk now. I was not that big of a fan of Dunkirk. Like, it seemed like a lot of, like, a lot of style, a lot of flair, but not as much, not as much substance. One of those things. Because, like, I remember it just being so loud. It was, like, one of the loudest movies I've ever been to. And I don't think... Just because it's loud doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. What's what's your favorite war movie? What's a good war movie? The Hurt Locker was pretty good. Saving Private Ryan, obviously, is classic. Um, have not seen... Oh, American Sniper's a good one. I was going to say, I haven't seen the... Uh, what's the Lone Survivor? The... Marky Mark one that we talked about from episode two of A Star Is Born, but American Sniper with Bradley Cooper is a good war movie. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite war movie. Uh, Twenty sixteen, Nick Cage is in Army of One. He plays Gary Faulkner. 
2017. He's in Arsenal. Plays Eddie King. I'm looking at my trusty yellow legal pad right now. My buck slip, whatever. Whatever you call it. And pretty much everything that I was playing that I'm doing, I've done. So I'm just checking on that just to make sure that we're all we're in the right track. Just to let you guys know where I'm at. Um, so yeah, 2017, Arsenal. 2017 as well, Vengeance, a love story. He plays John. 2017, Inconceivable. <laughs> like, uh, I think I fell asleep when I last tried to watch that movie, Princess Bride. That's the one, right? Inconceivable. My oh, what I remember most about Princess Bride is I had a I served jury duty in it must have been June of 2015 or maybe July, right after I graduated Wazoo for the first time, and I was on jury duty for a couple weeks for this like trial that was like a low stakes trial, like some apartment, maybe like moss or something or some some sort of like mildew situation. But that's not the point. The point is, one of the lawyers, he like quoted a Princess Bride. I can't remember what the quote was even, but I thought that was so interesting that a lawyer brought that into this. He he brought that, put that on the table in in like a serious place of business, like a courtroom. Just threw out a Princess Bride. I was like, okay, now I get what the whole lawyer thing is. Now I, now I understand why people want to be lawyers because you can just say whatever you want you can just talk about movies you like when you're when you're at work when you're on the stand is that how it works <laughs> any lawyers out there hit me up hit me up on twitter at chris author 8 or instagram at chris arneson 8 let me know what what is it like being a lawyer what's it like everyone seems to go to law school but i would i would never go to law school i don't know if i'd ever even go back to school i don't think i would to be honest I already went back to school once, and I think that might be enough. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe one day if I ever want to get a master's degree, maybe. Who knows? I don't think I'm really interested in that, though, because you don't have to have a master's degree to be a writer. To write for a TV show, I don't have to have any degree, even though it definitely definitely helps to have a college degree, which I have two of them. So I'm, I think I'm set. I don't think I need to be going back to school. Like, I don't understand the people who become doctors. Like, <laughs> do you really like school or do you just really like caring for people? Like, are you, what's your deal? <laughs> I don't, that seems like such a big commitment. Like, I guess they, that's how much they care about it. That's how much you want to help people. That's the main thing about being doctors. You help people and you definitely make a good salary too. But you probably, it's probably a really stressful job. I would say a lot more people talk about writer writing being a stressful job. And I mean, I've never been paid necessarily to be a writer though. So I guess I can't really comment on it. Being a freelance writer is definitely not, not too bad. I don't know. Maybe it's a different story being paid to be a writer. Maybe that puts a whole nother spin on it. Like a whole nother, it makes it more serious, more, more puts more pressure on you. Maybe. Hmm. Hmm. That's something Something to think about. Definitely would obviously want to still be a... Loves to be a writer for a TV show. That's my... That's a goal. That's a dream. That's that's a, what I want. <laughs> so 2017. Inconceivable. Yeah. He's in a movie called Mom and Dad. He plays Brent. 
2017, the Humanity Bureau. The Humanity Bureau. He plays Noah Cross. Ooh, I heard this one was good. I'm going to click on it. He, 2018. It's called Mandy. Oh, my God. No way. <laughs> You're never going to guess. Guess what the rating is? Not rated. Bum, bum, bum. 121 minutes. Action, fantasy, horror. So it's not even comedy. I thought it was... I thought it was kind of a comedy, but I guess not. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult. Ooh, cults. And their demon biker henchmen propelling a man into a spiling, surreal rampage of vengeance. Oh my god, that sounds intense. Yeah, if you remember, I think that was last episode of A Star is Born, or maybe the one before. But I talked a lot about cults and how... They're really interesting. Like, Wild Wild Country is something I want to watch. I want to talk to you guys about it. But I would love not to join a cult, but just to see, like, the inner workings of one and, like, just to, like, be a fly in the wall, like, in a boardroom meeting between, like, all the all the high-ups in the cult, you know, just see what they're talking about. <laughs> I don't know, man. What's going on in there? What are they doing? <laughs> what are they talking What What do they know that we don't know? Like... You know those guys are like those guys are some of the some of the biggest party animals out there are cult leaders. So they're they're doing something. <laughs> Man, that's a crazy like crazy lifestyle though. That needs to be a movie. That's that's a movie I'm definitely looking to see. Like kind of like a like a fictionalized version of Wild Wild Country, I guess. Who would be Oh, who would play a good cult leader? Like Nick, Nick Cage? <laughs> he would be definitely be a good cult leader in a movie or real life. <laughs> who else would be a good cult leader? Uh, for some reason, I kept thinking Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp seems like a cult leader. Um, yeah, those are two that come to mind. Let's see. 2018, Looking Glass. He plays Ray. Also 2018, man, he's in a lot of movies in 2018. There's a bunch. Um, 211. Never heard of 211. Mike Chandler. Um, 2018, Teen Titans Go to the movies. The voice of Superman. I've heard about Teen Titans Go, some popular cartoon or something. 2018, Between Worlds plays Joe. Also 2018, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The voice of Spider-Man Noir. Noir. Film Noir. Uh, I heard that was super good. Is that even a superhero movie? Or is it like... I don't know. Is that a kid's movie? Or is it adults? I'm going to click on it. I mean, it's probably for everyone. I think it's PG though. It is PG. It's 117 minutes. Animation. Action. Adventure. I thought it was also a comedy as well. Teen Miles Morales becomes spider Becomes Spider-Man of his reality, crossing his path with five counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat from all realities. For all realities. So, yeah, I guess it's just a bunch of different Spider-Mans. And John Mulaney. <laughs> oh my gosh, I talked about not really being that big of a fan of John Mulaney's stand-up. I mean, I like him. I like him as a person. He seems funny. seems like a funny dude. Never watched his TV show either, though. What was that on Fox? Mulaney? That got canceled, right? But yeah, he's one of the voices. That sounds super funny. Like, 
imagine John Mulaney's voice on Spider-Man, and that sounds that sounds funny to me. I'll watch it. Uh, twenty. All right, here we go. Twenty eighteen. He's in something called The Cook. Or no, he plays the cook in Running with the Devil. Excuse me. <laughs> I was distracted because I think the year just, there's no year on that one. But it's definitely 2018. Then he's in Pri- <clears throat> Prisoners of the Ghost Land. He is in Primal, plays Frank Walsh. He's in Kill Chain. He's in Grand Isle, plays Walter. He's in Color Color Out of Space plays Nathan Gardner. I'm clicking on that because the poster of this movie looks very cool. It's like a it's like a northern light situation, but red and green instead. A town is struck by meteorite and the fallout is catastrophic. Okay, so I guess that's what it is. I guess that's a meteor just flying down the center right there. That's why it's so brightly colored. Wow. Sound Tommy Chong's in it too. Dave, isn't is that what they say? What do they say? They say, "Get out of here, Dave," or "You're not welcome, Dave," or "No, Dave's not here, man." That's it, right? Dave's not here, man. Isn't that what this teaching Chong said? Um, a score to settle. He plays Frank, and the last credit. Oh my gosh, we made it. I can't believe we already made it to the last credit. It feels like we just started. This is a movie that hasn't even came out. It's 2020, The Croods 2. He's the voice of Greg. What is The Croods? I'm clicking on it. The Croods, the prehistoric family of The Croods are challenged by a rival family, the Bettermans, who claim to be better and more evolved. <laughs> and they're called the Bettermans. So that's the kind of writing that... That's the level of writing you're dealing with. <laughs> Better mans. Come on, man. It's okay. That's okay. Wow. I can't believe we did it. <laughs> we did it. We made it through Nicolas Cage's entire IMDb page. All 98 film credits, actor credits on his IMDb page. Holy Toledo. Holy Toledo. Now... I gotta do the top three. Here we go. So I'm gonna do. I'm doing this live. Doing this live on the fly. And top three. Oh yes, like I said, National Treasure, obviously. And let's go National Treasure two. So we got both National Treasures. And then we'll go. Oh, what's the one I really like? Pay the Ghost. The one with the Halloween carnival um, in New Orleans. So there you go. Top three, the two national treasures, and pay the ghost. And then bottom three, we will go... What was one I really didn't like? From the from the worst 12 Nicolas Cage movies. Oh, Snake Eyes was one that I thought was terrible. So we'll go Snake Eyes, and we'll go Next, and then we'll go Knowing. Because those were three rough ones. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we did it. New slang when you notice a strap. Dead in your head. Hope it's right when you die. On and Just you just put the earphones on from Garden State. Zach Braff just put his or Nally Portman just put her earphones on you. New slang when you notice a strap. It's the only words I know from that song though. 
the shins it all comes back around full circle the shins who i saw in concert 2012 bend oregon when i was too scared to talk to that girl but now i'm a grown man now i'm all i'm all grown up now <laughs> oh my gosh how times how times change times change you it's things the things that change you and shape you who you are as a person it's weird it's weird how you don't know what's going to shape you at the time but then but then in hindsight looking back at retrospect it's so easy to see <laughs> the big moments of your life it's crazy it's crazy i'm so happy that you listened to this entire podcast thank you so much for sticking with me before we end though i obviously have to give you some of my plugs so I'm an author from Pullman, Washington. Check me out on Amazon. My first book is called Sponge Cake, a mostly made-up story about a completely insane town. And my second book is called What's in the Fridge? Uh, Sponge Cake's a fiction novel, adventure caper centered around a middle school bake sale. It's super fun. And What's in the Fridge is spiritual, it's inspirational, it's motivational, it's self-helpy. And there's also some pop culture in there. There's some fun short stories and i'm sure there's actually a lot of a lot of stuff about nicholas cage too so if you're interested in that if you enjoyed this episode of a star is born you'll definitely dig both those books you can get those on amazon kindle and at barnesandnoble.com as well and check out my blog thegoat1.blogspot.com do a ton of writing on there hundreds of posts on there for you to read my website, christtheauthor.com. Follow me on Twitter at christtheauthor8. And follow me on Instagram at chrisarneson8. And thank you so much. All right, let me just take a deep breath. Thank you so much for being with me on this wild ride. It's this crazy ride that we know is it's just life in general and just making podcasts and trying to make art, trying to be creative trying to express myself, trying to be a professional writer, just trying to figure everything out, you know? And yeah, if you're, if you're going through a tough time right now, like just know that people are there with you. There's lots of people that love you. You know, you could probably think of the people that love you and you probably contact them and don't, don't be afraid to check in with people and just let people know like how you're doing. Cause everyone wants to know, like, Sometimes people might be too nervous to to ask people how they're doing. So you you just got to be forthcoming and just let them know, you know? Let them know, okay? Be proud of who you are, okay? I think everyone, you just got to be, stand up straight and be proud. Check your posture. Put Put your two shoulder blades together. Is that what you do when you stand up straight? But I'm just giving a little motivational talk here, you know, <laughs> just trying to get you pumped up, you know, get, get you ready to take on the world, you know, because I know that you can do it and you know that you can do it. That's all that matters. Thank you so much for being a starfish. Thank you for being a member of my starfishes fan club. Tell all your friends, tell your family, tell everyone, you know, uh, tell your mailman, tell your post postal worker, uh, your snow plower. Let them know about Stars Born and because we're really doing it. We're doing this. I might be doing two episodes. We might even, I might be doing, dropping two episodes on y'all every single day. Who knows? It depends how I'm feeling on that day. We'll see. We'll see. But all that does matter is that we did this episode and 
you made it through with me. And I'm going to leave you with... Whoa, amber is the color of your energy. Whoa, shades so gray play naturally. Oh, here's one. Beverly Hills, that's where I want to be. Hear me, hear me, living in Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills. Rolling like a celebrity, hear me, hear me, living in Beverly Hills. Wow, 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 Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I love you so much, and have a great day.